Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is Desmond Johnson on the Believe and Carolina Panthers podcast here on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe if you enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. We're available in your favorite directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can also find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcast on Twitter. On today's show, voice of the Carolina Panthers radio network, Jim Zoki, joins the Believe and Carolina Panthers podcast. But first, here's your opening drop. So I was curious this week when I saw that former Panthers quarterback Cam Newton was trending on Twitter. He must have finally signed somewhere. I wonder who picked him up was my immediate thought. Now imagine my surprise upon entering Twitter that Newton was trending not because he had signed, but because of a perceived slight from the Panthers' own social media department themselves. Now the Panthers posted a meme to Twitter called Choose Your Goat. And with this meme, it featured ways for Twitter users to vote for either former defensive end Julius Peppers, former middle linebacker Luke Keekley, or former wide receiver Steve Smith. Twitter users immediately noticed that Cam Newton, the undisputed face of the franchise for the past decade, was not a selection, causing Twitter to go into an uproar. Now, the Panthers, owner David Tepper, and the new head coach Matt Rule in particular, may have severely underestimated the fan base that Newton has in the Carolinas and in the entire NFL. I noticed going through the, the tweets, a lot of the uh, the threads where people responding to this to the Panthers weren't even Panther fans. They were just shocked that Newton was not included in a GOAT conversation for the franchise. Now, do I think the Panthers excluded Cam on purpose? Yes, but not out of spite. Honestly, the Panthers are just trying to move on. It's kind of like naming your favorite ex-girlfriend and then immediately leaving off the last ex that you had because you just broke up. It's all still fresh. And you broke up with her. So you're trying to forget it, even though you recognize that she was probably the best one. Now, on a Mount Rushmore of Panthers, the three with Newton are easy picks. I mean, taking nothing away from Julius Peppers, Steve Smith, Luke Keekley. I mean, those guys could, should be in a GOAT conversation. All three have arguments to be placed at the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Julius Peppers, nine-time Pro Bowler, three-time All-Pro. He's fourth all-time in career sacks with 159 and a half. Steve Smith, five-time Pro Bowler, two-time All-Pro. The last Triple Crown winner uh, back in 2005. Over 1,000 catches for his career, 1,031 catches. That's 12th all-time out of all, rece- all, all wide receivers that have ever played this game. And then, of course, Luke Keekley, seven-time Pro Bowler, five-time All-Pro, 2012 Associated Press Defensive Rookie of the Year. The next year, he is the Defensive Player of the Year for the entire league. Uh, he was the defensive stalwart for the Panthers for most of the same stretch of span of time as Cam Newton on the defensive side of the ball, uh, widely considered the best middle linebacker in the game for a number of years. Then you get to Cam Newton, three-time Pro Bowler, one-time All-Pro, the only league MVP in franchise history back in 2015, 2011 Rookie of the Year, 2015 Offensive Player of the Year. From his very first start in 2011, when he threw for over 400 yards 
versus the Arizona Cardinals as a pure rookie coming out of a lockout season or lockout off season, I should say, where you didn't have as much contact with coaches and players as you normally would to come out and throw for over 400 yards in his first start and then top that with 435 yards in his second start against Green Bay. Cam Newton was the face of the Panthers for a pure decade. He's the only guy that we could rally around no matter what we complained about or argued about his dress code during press conferences after games or comments he may have made, tweets he may have weighed in certain fonts that we didn't understand, we could all rally around him on Sundays. Newton made me believe no matter who you were playing, no matter what the score was, we had a shot to win the game. That's not taught. That's an it factor that many players do not have. Now, it remains to be seen if Tepper and Rule will ultimately regret releasing Newton. But if we believe what we've seen from the past eight seasons, the ups and the downs, our paths will cross again. And the question will be definitively answered. And welcome back to the Believe in Carolina Panthers podcast. I am your host, Desmond Johnson. Special breaking news, former cornerback for the Carolina Panthers, uh, the uh, an original Panther and the first defensive player ever selected by the Carolina Panthers franchise, Tyrone Poole, will be my new co-host starting next week. So definitely check out the Believe podcast network for that as Tyrone joins the Believe in Carolina Panthers broadcast. Right now, he's the sports director for WBTAM in Charlotte. He's been a color commentator, pregame show host, and preseason play-by-play announcer for the Carolina Panthers since the franchise began in 1995. Jim Zoki joining the Believe in Carolina Panthers podcast. What's going on, Jim? How are you? Desmond, doing well. How are you doing? That's great about uh, Tyrone Poole, too. That's a blast from the past from 95. It was pretty crazy that I found out a day or two ago, and, I, and it was right after I'd booked you for this week, and thank you so much for doing this with us. And I thought, what better person to have on after learning that Tyrone Poole is going to be coming on board than to have Jim Zoki, who, to me, I consider you, along with a couple of others, Mick Mixon and a few other guys that I know uh, that are involved with the Panthers, you are the Carolina Panthers living encyclopedia. Like, you, you've <laughs> been there from the beginning, so... Um, I wanted to talk to you this week. Uh, the Panthers, the social media department for the Panthers kind of made some uh, headlines. Uh, what turned into a controversial tweet wasn't meant to be, I don't believe, uh, earlier this week. And I wanted to get your thoughts on it. Uh, they tweeted a post called Choose Your Goat, which featured former Panthers Julius Peppers, Luke Keekley, and Steve Smith, where you had to do the you know retweet if you like Julius, like it if you like Luke, comment if you like Steve. What the Panthers were not expecting was the outcry from not just Panther fans, but NFL fans in general about not including former quarterback Cam uh, Cam Newton. Jim, do you think the Panthers are intentionally trying to erase Newton from the fan base's collective memory, or was that just an honest error in the media department? I think, uh, no, I don't think they're trying to erase his memory. I think um, it's hard to come up with three, first of all. That's why you always do the Mount Rushmore, right? You have four. Right. they They needed four. So I think the mistake was in math. They should have done four and made Cam the fourth to go with the other three. Because on the other hand, it's the classic, who would you have left off? Would you have left off Julius Peppers, Steve Smith, or Luke Keekley? So it's hard to subtract any of those guys. So three was probably just a difficult number. They probably should have gone with four, maybe five. And that way they could have covered pretty much all the ground. And you can't really argue with the three they did select. I mean, Julius Peppers is the best defensive end in Panthers history. Steve Smith is the best wide receiver in Panthers history. And Luke Keekley is the best middle linebacker or linebacker in Panthers history. I get what they were trying to do. 
I, I, I think they just weren't ready for the backlash because I was reading through uh, the responses on Twitter um, the other night because this had Cam Newton trending uh, nationally on uh, Twitter uh, last night, basically from people just saying, you know, can't believe the Panthers are disrespecting Cam this way and why not include him? I don't really think that they were intending to do so, although if you if you follow Cam Newton on Instagram, he's been throwing out some veiled uh, videos and comments about getting ready and whatnot are you surprised that cam newton is still unsigned uh jim as we go into go heading into july i am i mean 32 teams former mvp from not that long ago right four years ago five years ago uh is is shocking when i saw joe flacco got a job i was thinking now now how is this still possible that cam newton is not somewhere and i get that people want to Test the shoulder and, and know how he's doing health-wise and all that. Uh, check out, make sure the, the the feet and the legs and the ankle are all, all good. But on the other hand, he's only got a one-year contract, so you know you're only getting him for one year. You're not signing up for five years. I think that would make it more precarious. Uh, he's basically a one-year rental who will become a free agent. So I'm, I'm a little surprised that nobody in this league has found a fit for him yet. Yeah, it's, it's kind of odd. And you mentioned Joe Flacco. I mean, all these quarterbacks that have been – finding homes that you i mean who would you rather have a healthy cam newton or joe flacco or who would you i mean out of all these guys it just seems strange that all of a sudden cam can't really get any kind of uh team to look at him to sign him the patriots were the last team rumored to really be talking to him then all that kind of fell apart too do you do you think that you know looking at cam newton doing you know push-ups and things of that sort uh on Instagram, do you think the Panthers will regret releasing Newton down the road? You know, I think here's what happened. You, When you have a change, uh, you want to have everybody on the same page philosophically. And so I think when you brought in, you know, Coach Matt Rule and Joe Brady as offensive coordinator, you know, they had something in mind as far as what the offense was going to look like and a familiarity with Teddy Bridgewater, uh, a passer that's a different kind of quarterback than Cam and that, you know, Cam's done a lot of great things. He's been an MVP. He's the best running quarterback in the history of the league. He's had some big passing games. I think they feel like in Bridgewater, there's a familiarity with this offense they're going to run. Uh, he came at a pretty good price for three years, as opposed to going into one year and then having a free agent on your hands. And, uh, you know, I think Teddy, I think they anticipate being as a passer of the ball, maybe percentage wise anyway, more accurate uh, in hitting the target than, than Cam and maybe especially coming off the, the shoulder issues. So, I mean, you put all that together and, uh, you know, it's just a matter of, you know, what's your preference? The bigger question to me is 31 other teams have a shot at a guy like Cam Newton. And you can't tell me he's not among, say, the best 64 quarterbacks in this league when you look at first and second string guys that are out there yeah you know and i look around the league and i just look at places where you know cam could potentially land that would be great I, even though they have an incumbent quarterback in place and he's a former heisman winner himself i look at cleveland and see what they have on offense compared to, and if you plug cam newton into that offense like it, it just it boggles my mind that teams aren't even really bringing him on as a backup, even though he's said he would come on in a backup role. I was on the Cowboys tip two months ago until they signed Andy Dalton. I thought that would have been a great place for him to be a backup and to kind of put some pressure on Dak Prescott to, you know, sign a deal and that kind of thing. But that didn't happen either. Um, on the line with Jim Zoki, the sports director for WBTAM in Charlotte. You can follow uh, Jim at Jim Zoki on Twitter. Um, Jim, earlier in this podcast, I talked about some of the most important Panthers in history, in my opinion. Uh, what better person to ask this than someone who's been involved with the franchise from the beginning? 
Who do you consider some of the most important Panthers in franchise history and why? Not necessarily the most talented or, quote unquote, the best uh, Panthers in history, but who are some of the ones that stand out in your memory as being the most important Panthers in this franchise's history? And see, Desmond, if I was smart, this is where I would hang up because this is where, <laughs> this is where the trouble begins, right? Is we, start, we, start we, picking among, we start picking among our children who's our favorite children. It's like we, lo- we love trouble here. At, uh, <laughs> the, Stirring the pot. I'll, I'll name eight people and Desmond will say, somebody number nine got left out by Tim <laughs> Not like, you know, whoever. Uh, to go through just some of the, the obvious ones, um, first of all, Cam Newton would be on that list, I'd have to say. He's the only MVP on the and the franchise history as far as a player on the Panthers goes. Um took him to a Super Bowl and one of the probably the best individual season of any Panther that year in 2015. So Cam, um, you know, part of what you're talking about is influence, right? So you talk about you know ability and influence. Uh, and you look at just the the marquee value of what he brought, you know, Cam's on that list. I will never ever exclude Sam Mills from a list like this. You know, Sam's got the statue outside the stadium. Keep pounding is, is Sam Mills and uh, was really an integral part of the startup of this franchise. And a guy that I interviewed every single week after practice as a player and then as an assistant coach for a number of years. So just uh, Sam's always got a special place in my heart. Steve Smith has to be on that list too. Uh, Steve will be a Hall of Famer at some point. Um, To me, uh, I think probably is the best, if you're talking about um, talent, uh, stats, uh, over a long period of time in this franchise that would be steve smith to me pep obviously luke keekley you know some thomas davis i mean he just thomas davis is the embodiment of keep pounding coming back from three torn acls you know we just lost some great ones over the past couple of years that i mentioned but also you look at greg olson i mean one of the greatest statistical tight ends in the history of this game probably has a hall of fame case himself at some point down the road uh, but uh yeah you know, I, I don't want to like name the great 50 of all time but those are some of the ones that, in terms of just really good players that were here for a number of years, not just here for two or three years, uh, but for a number of years, would have to be on that list. Now, having said that, with former owner Jerry Richardson's statue coming down last week, there's been some talk, some suggestions as to who the who to replace Richardson's statue with, if anyone. Out of those names you just gave, would you nominate one of those to replace Richardson's statue at the North Gate at BOA? I could... As far as it depends on how heavy you want to go on statues, like Ring of Honor, uh, you know, whatever the Panthers Hall of Fame mentioned name is going to be with that the listing of names like they did last year uh, with Jake DeLome and, uh, and Jordan Gross and, and those guys. Um, I think those guys would all be in a Ring of Honor statues. I would wait and see on some of those. I would, uh, I, you know, I'm not. There are some franchises that have been around. You mentioned the Cleveland Browns. I don't believe the Cleveland Browns have a statue if they do i think it's one it'd be jim brown right or paul brown but i don't know if they even have that to be honest i don't yeah i don't know if they do actually <laughs> uh, and i have in-laws in cleveland so i'm up there frequently and I, I yeah i think you're right i don't think they do have a statue up yeah, there and i'm from up that way too and i just i don't recall having grown up that way if they have if they do they have like one statue if they do um so i think you know statues need to be you know something that are really, like sam is symbolic i think sam's appropriate kind of embodies the franchise I could make a case for, I think, maybe anybody that's certainly a, say, after they get into the Pro Football Hall of Fame in Canton. That'll happen for Peppers. Fully believe that's going to happen for Steve Smith. Probably for Luke Keekley, I would think, as well. Um, Cam Newton, I think, would have a chance at that down the road once his career is over. I mentioned Greg Olson. I think maybe it's something like maybe the criteria is 
if you're a Hall of Famer as a Panther, you know, like not someone like Kevin Green, who was here two, three years, uh, but maybe somebody whose bulk of their career was spent here um, for a long period of time. Maybe that's the criteria. And so having said that, I would wait until that happens, until we have a real true Panther, a longtime player that's in Canton, and then they get the statue here. On the line with us, uh, one of the longtime voices of the Carolina Panthers radio network, Jim Zoki, joining the Believe in Carolina Panthers podcast. I, I did see, uh, I am a follower of your uh, Twitter account, at Jim Zoki on Twitter. And reading through it, I saw that you had an opportunity to attend uh, two separate press conferences this past week uh, that I was very interested in. First, uh, new offensive coordinator Joe Brady uh, press conference. Uh, what are your initial thoughts on the new young offensive coordinator for the Panthers. He's all of 30 years old coming off of a national championship uh, out of LSU. I am so looking forward to the day we get to see more than virtual uh, meetings going uh, taking place here because I'm really excited to see what Joe Brady's offense is going to look like. I think it's going to be exciting. And um, I think he's got some good weapons to work with. So I think, you know, he's talking about Curtis Samuel being a key piece in, in that Zoom press conference because of the versatility. I, you know, growing up in Ohio, big Buckeye fan, Curtis Samuel as a kick and punt returner, as a running back, as a receiver. It's kind of like Christian McCaffrey in reverse in that a receiver that could do some running back for you uh, is, is Curtis Samuel. And he's the perfect fit, Joe Brady said, of the mold of what they want in this offense. Versatile guys with speed. So a speed guy that can do a lot of different things. You get him in the open field and use him in a lot of different ways. And then you had DJ Moore just with the run after the catch and the way he played the second half of last year as a big physical receiver. Uh, The speed and hands of Robbie Anderson coming in from the Jets. McCaffrey is that centerpiece. I think they've improved the offensive line a lot with Russell Okung at the left tackle spot and some other moves. So I think Joe Brady's got some real pieces to work with. And once they get it up and running, it's going to take a little bit of time to have – you know, just the time to go through for the install. Uh, I'm excited just to see what this kind of innovative offense looks like and all the different layers to it. I think it's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, you know, it's kind of crazy. I kind of uh, I kind of echo your thoughts. Um, I, I kind of jumped on the LSU train late last year and didn't really get a chance to see them until they were really rolling offensively. And watching what they did against Clemson and then seeing, you know, Brady come over, I just started imagining, okay, what could they do with the pieces that Carolina already has? Um, and you're right, you know, putting in – I hate to say it because I am a Cam Newton fan, a, a more accurate passer than uh, than Cam and Teddy Bridgewater. It fits this offense a lot better than what Cam probably would have. Uh, Curtis Samuel, DJ Moore on the outside, adding uh, Robbie Anderson as a, a third wide receiver, Christian McCaffrey doing everything. I'm with you. I, I think uh, the Panthers offense has a chance to be uh, a top 10 unit, really. Uh, I think they're going to be in a lot of shootouts this year. Having said that, um, you also got a chance to uh, talk to, or, or to attend a new press conference with new defensive coordinator Phil Snow uh, this week. Um, and he seems to understand, based off of his responses from what I saw, what exactly he's up against in year one. The Carolina Panthers are only returning three or four defensive players from last year that played more than 40% of the snaps last year, uh, which if you remember the Panthers' defense towards the middle through the end of last year, might not necessarily be a bad thing, uh, cleaning that entire room out and starting <laughs> fresh. Um, what what what, are you, what was your opinion on Snow? Uh, was there anything he said in his press conference that stood out to you uh, the most? Yeah, I think kind of as advertised of what they've talked about and uh, philosophically is having players that are versatile at multiple positions. And so he named a number of guys that kind of fit that criteria of being able to do, you know, multiple positions for them. And uh, I think Brian Burns, the first round pick from last year, fits into that category. 
Jeremy Chin, who they just drafted in the second round this year, can play him in a number of different places, as is Justin Burris, who was brought in as a free agent. Uh, these are the type of players that can do multiple things for them, and they can move them around. You know, Shaq Thompson, I think you can move him around a little bit. Uh, Stephen Weatherly, another free agent addition. So, you know, they they want to be, obviously, like most teams, you know, fast to the ball, uh, but they also want to be able to uh, not – necessarily bring players off the field, but you move them and slot them in different positions out there. So I think, you know, when you look at losing Luke Keekley, obviously it's huge, but you add back in KK short, who you really didn't have much at all last year, KK and Derek Brown in the middle of that defensive line is going to problem that they've had. And that was just people just gashing them up the middle, uh, a simple run plays five, 10, 15 yards. So I know a lot of folks were interested in, in Isaiah Simmons coming here from Clemson, but I think they kind of had to start with just the uh, the base of we got to start with job one and um, and that's stopping the run up the middle and those kind of things. And then you can build and maybe add some more pieces around that that are you know more versatile that kind of add to the back seven of the defense from there. All on with this Jim Zoki from WBT in Charlotte, one of the uh, mainstay voices of the Carolina Panthers radio network. Um, have you heard anything, Jim, here? Final question regarding uh, training camp. I know that the NFL said that uh, all teams would basically have to stay at their facilities for training camp this year. Carolina is one of, I think, three teams that actually travels for training camp. I know Dallas is one of them. They go to California. Carolina goes down to Wofford. Um, this year they'll stay in Charlotte and I assume they'll be in the, uh, the bubble that was built last year, um, for the Panthers so they could practice indoors. Have you heard anything regarding availability? Are they going to allow, I know usually the Panthers would let fans kind of come in. They do fan fest, uh, at, at BOA, um, and just kind of have like a party type atmosphere, um, as they go deeper into training camp. Have you heard anything regarding any of those type of plans for this year for Carolina in terms of what they're going to be doing since they'll be in Charlotte? No, I haven't heard anything. Um, I would anticipate just kind of looking at it as our world, as it is today, that I would not anticipate necessarily fans being a part of that. I don't really know that you have the parking space around Bank of America Stadium to, to easily do training camp with fans. So I'm not saying there couldn't be some, but I can't imagine there'd be very many, if any. So I, I think fans may not be the case here. Um, I'm hearing some talk that they're talking about reducing the preseason from four down to two games trying to get into the regular season a little bit more quickly, kind of like how baseball is trying to get up and running if they ever get to an agreement uh, as quickly as they can. So I think training camp is going to be really buttoned up, you know, really trying to keep as few components, you know, drifting out there as possible. Um, I would think there obviously would be media access of some kind, you know, whether that's virtually or near the practice field and actually eyeballing it. Uh, I think at the very least, they're obviously got media coverage of some sort. Um, but we'll see. I mean, really, they have not come out with any of those answers yet. I think a lot of this will be driven by the league. I think it'll be very similar with all the teams. Whatever one is doing, the other 31 will be doing. So uh, I don't think there'll be a lot of variation around the league as far as how that's all handled. But to be determined, and honestly, I, we, we got to say, Desmond, I think you know the season is in jeopardy to some point just because of what we're dealing with right now, because of what it is. Tackle football in a world where we're supposed to be six feet apart <laughs> and wearing yeah. masks. So uh, I think everything is kind of uh, uncertain until we get to late July and kind of see where the world is at that point. Yeah, I wasn't very pleased to, because I actually do high school football up here as well. Um, so I've been kind of keeping an eye on everything because uh, it's all kind of attached and seeing Dr. Fauci basically say the NFL probably needs to do the, the NBA bubble thing for the season. 
I don't even know how that would work logistically with each team having, you know, over, you know, 60 players, coaches, staff. Uh, you're talking about, you know, over 30 teams. Like, I, I just don't know how that would work. So we'll see. Like you said, Jim, I, I, <laughs> everything's up in the air. The next 30 days are going to be super critical. I really appreciate you coming on to the Believe in Carolina Panthers podcast. And you can catch Jim. Uh, as I mentioned before, on WBT AM in Charlotte, as well as WFNZ. And he is the voice or one of the voices of the Carolina Panthers radio network. Thank you so much, Jim, for joining us today. Desmond, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.